Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tahara, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year the Adventures in Wonderland TV series won daytime Emmys for outstanding makeup and outstanding directing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, live action puppet musical TV show about Alice in Wonderland that went on for three seasons. I what? <laughs> I get that's what the Wikipedia says. I wonder if there's any connection to to can we say his name Johnny Depp <laughs> um, to uh, his Alice in Wonderland production? Unless he was an extra, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, like the Cheshire Cat, we're gonna just keep smiling about these next batch of episodes. From, of course, we are continuing on strongly for our Young Justice season as we continue from the first season. We're going to be talking about episodes 10 through 13, titled Targets, Terrors, Homefront, and Alpha Male. Now, um, these episodes are going to heavily focus in on the... uh, Andrew, you're more experienced when it comes to this kind of like particular style of storytelling. I guess, is this like the B-plot? of the of the show where it's just of the series where it's just like focusing in on the overall what's, what's going to happen in the season finale of the big reveal yeah so this what they're kind of doing and what young justice re- got really good at doing is what kind of the pod storytelling format so basically you within a season have a self-contained story arc while building out the rest of the mm-hmm. season and here, the the real arc here is the traitor, the question of a traitor um, that culminates conveniently in our last episode today. It starts, the seed starts in episode 10. It's It comes around in 13 while developing the overarching plot of this organization called The Light. So this is a really good, if you're doing a, a rewatch along with us, this is a really good tight four episodes to watch in a row because it's really covering a lot of the same material okay perfect so that means that we can go ahead and call this batch of episodes for our particular episode insider trading (laughs) that's that's not where i was expecting to go with it but i I don't hate it (laughs) <laughs> what what were set what were i guess like what was what were some others that probably would could we could have gone with uh peas in a pod peas so that's pod. very obscure no actually i i that did cross my mind actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh so um we're gonna do in, call it inside trading subtitle peas in the pod for this episode <laughs> and i have like six subtitles by the end <laughs> 
Yeah, so this one, timing-wise, we are seeing what is happening with the team between um, September 7th to September 23rd. So, of course, we'll also incorporate some of the comic um, ongoings that was happening around the same time later on in our episode. But more importantly, it's time to jump into the cast list. As, of course, we're not going to be talking again about the full-on cast list of the team, but just some people who we felt, you know, really brought forward and shown during this time, these four episodes that we have here. So starting off, uh, he was once the voice of Firefly, and then later on, the demon Alistair in the show Supernatural. So for Firefly, he was um, he was the voice of Firefly in the Bruce and Bruce Tim and Paul Dini set of um, DC animated content. Um, he later on, or prior to that, uh, has some supporting roles in Shawshank Redemption, the Saw movies, Departed. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. But thankfully today we have joining us in these set of episodes, Mark Rolston, who voices the very sinister Lex Luthor. Mm. Yeah, it it is a it's a different take, but I, also it's a great like his is very distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, team who was also joining in that particular episode of Targets. We have Rachel Ghoul, who is voiced by Odette Fair, who is famously known in the Mummy series, but probably more famously known in the two Deuce Bigelow movies. That's where I know him from. Okay, Deuce cool. Bigelow like, all the way. Yes, both both American and European Gigolo. Uh, Cheshire is back as Kelly Hugh, a mainstay in the DC animated content universe. Uh, next up, he's probably the more famous brother now, given what's happened to the the, the older brother. Um, but the man who we've seen so often, he's joined alongside Jamie Foxx, fighting against vampires. He's married to Allison Brie. We have Dave Franco here, who has a quick guest role as the Riddler in our terrors episode. <laughs> Honestly, they should lean into this. Uh, yeah, no, right? no, no disrespect to Paul Dano, but I want to see more Dave Franco Riddler. Yes, I agree. Because I was just like, he gave that energy that's very much like we used to, I, at least I used to very much enjoy in the Batman, the animated series, of this very kind of like jokey kind of Riddler. And I was just like, that energy we kind of need. Like, no offense to Paul. Like, I love that iteration, but it just felt too... Felt a little too close to home. I, I need some. <laughs> I need some joy a little bit when it comes to Riddler. I need some more of that, like you know, what has a what has a face but can't see itself kind of thing. That's it's clock, and it's time yes. for the next one. I yes. like that transition. Like we planned <laughs> oh, it. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> um, coming up next, we have um from Abbott Elementary, Cheryl Lee Ralph, who was also in a static episode that we covered a couple seasons ago. She is voicing Amanda the Wall Waller. Uh, next up, Adrian Pastar is no stranger to superhero content, which is perfect why he was voiced and casted as Hugo Strange. Ah, uh, you know, it's so weird not to hear BD Wong after watching Gotham. You know, I was thinking the same thing, even though I will say that B.D. Wong has, uh, I feel like, created the look of Doctor Strange moving forward of just yeah. like the very bald and then very strong. I don't know. It's like a winter beard kind of look. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, I thought this one was pretty cool just because I feel like we kind of grew up with her, but not like 
like she wasn't in the hood with us, but we like we knew of her. Uh, Allison Stoner is the voice of Barbara Gordon and Bette Kane in the, the uh, Homefront episodes. She has a very brief role in those two. Uh, Rob Lowe. Um, you know, Rob Lowe is just like one of those names. Honestly, I feel it's just like, you know it. And you can see him in almost every single thing, which is perfect why he's joining us today doing the dual roles of Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam. But in this at this point, he was still going by Captain Marvel, also known as Billy Batson, the um, the world, the world's mightiest mortal. And finally, this one, Andrew, I think this was my favorite one. I'm pretty sure this might be your favorite one, too. In our targets episode, we get introduced to the country of Relasia, which is separated by on the north side and the south side and the leaders of relasia are voiced are both voiced by karate kid villain turned ally chosen but we all know and love him as yuji okumoto that i did not see coming uh <laughs> yeah i for a second i thought you were gonna say uh uh johnny was the voice <laughs> William Zabka? I was like, that's that's problematic if he's doing those voices, even though they're not explicitly Asian. They are right. Well, hey, I mean, it it just makes so much sense that he voiced basically not only the leaders but also pretty much everybody in Relasia. I think that's a voice talent that you gotta gotta respect there. All right, so now it is time to hop on over. We are taking the Zeta tube to the beginning of our fourth set of episodes here, starting with targets. So right away, once again, Young Justice makes me jealous. Maybe this is another segment, just just jealous justice, because Red Arrow has height detecting glasses, like instantly. <laughs> like he can look, he can identify who's five, six in the crowd instantly. And he does need to because... Red Arrow, working with Aqualad remotely, finds Cheshire. She does not hold back. She pulls up the rocket launcher. Red Arrow has to use his suit briefcase arrow bow set. And now we're immediately off to the races. Yeah, I do want to point out one quick thing. So um, Red Arrow does. This is definitely not a mission that he actually called in the the rest of the team to join in on. So he is only working with Aqualad. So he's getting all of his information from Aqualad. And Aqualad is just like, you know, are you sure you didn't want any help with uh, from, from our side? And of course, Red Arrow is still a little bit salty about the fact that um, he didn't get to be a full Justice League member. So he's like, I don't need the Junior Justice League. And thankfully, Aqualad pointed out, but you did need our computer. So he, Red Arrow, please take several seats. Um, so as Red Arrow, he does fight against Cheshire and he is able to stop the assassination plot. Uh, it's then revealed that there is a person who is coming in to negotiate the peace between um, North and South Malaysia. And that person just happens to be Lex Luthor, who, you know, of course, we're just like, how could the world's evilest man broker peace between two to um the civil war and as they're this gives luthor and red arrow a chance to talk they they talk to the logistics about everything about what's going on and ultimately red arrow realizes that unfortunately he has to work with luthor to make sure that relasia you know survives because um it's getting to the point where 
these leaders might be the targets of assassination, or it could even be Lex Luthor himself. So uh, there is a little joke here with Red Arrows. It's like, hey, um, you know, I would, you know, where Luthor says, I could pay you for your services. And Red Arrows is like, I don't want your money because I'm pretty sure it has blood on it. So Luthor just says, oh, well, looks like I get hero work for free. We uh, we hop back over to the rest of the team uh, where Superboy and Miss Martian are currently working on, you know, their motorcycle. Superboy's working on his motorcycle. He has built a very strong relationship with, it seems like, with Sphere. But we learned that this today is the first day of, I guess, normal school? Regular school for the team? Yeah, I guess Kid Flash goes earlier. I don't know. Yeah. But Megan, obviously, she blends in by changing human completely. Um, which leaves Superboy with the question of he needs a name. And they try a couple different names out. A John, there's a great joke about Martian Manhunter is there. He's like, I chose John. And Red Tornado's name is John. So how about you? You could be John too. And he's like, nah, nah, no thanks. <laughs> so uh, Megan suggests Connor, which he goes with. And then they say Kent, um, which... Connor misinterprets as a homage to the late Kent Nelson. Uh, and Martian Manhunter is like, oh, shit. <laughs> Almost gave away Clark's identity there. <laughs> um, and to further hide, Superboy just needs to change his shirt. So he just flips it inside out. So it's just a black shirt and without the Superboy symbol. And they're off to the races. But while they're having fun on the first day of school uh red arrow is fighting for his life <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we head on back to uh taipei is where um red arrow is currently stationed where relasia is stationed he is talking with cheshire she's in the prison cell and he's trying to get some answers from her but of course she is like a steel trap she's not sharing anything she asks them about like hey you know why aren't you joining? Why aren't your psychic friends um, joining us? Which pisses him off because he's like, oh, they're not in my league. Um, I guess that's just probably like a little fun joke about the Justice League. But either way, it it turns into like she's full on kind of flirting with Red Arrow. Like Ultimately, you probably are understanding that the goal is that like if she's able to calm down, calm him down for a bit, maybe distract him long enough, she can escape. Um, I think this right here is probably one of the many examples of like, you know, <laughs> where was it? I think the, the running joke is like, where did my interest in toxic women start? Um, I'm just thinking about like from Dragon Ball Z, the one that like, every time she sneezed, she went super saiyan. <laughs> oh yeah, lunch. lunch oh yeah, lunch. lunch, yes. Victoria forgot about. <laughs> but we so, did. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Cheshire is up there with Launch right now because Red Arrow is probably blushing harder than Miss Martian was when um, Superboy took off his shirt. Unfortunately, though, uh, there are some sparks between them and some of those sparks could be connected to some of the explosions that are happening in the room as Red Arrow realizes that she was using her, (laughs) I I guess, feminine wiles, (laughs) I guess what you could call it, to distract him long enough so that Sportsmaster can break her out. And this is where I started getting a little re- respect on Red Arrow's name because as they're getting away on a helicopter, Red Arrow shoots an arrow and is hanging off this helicopter. Um, 
just swinging, hanging by a thread up, swinging for his life. They cut the, they cut the wire. He let, land safely thanks to a clay face arrow he had where he land on some <laughs> soft <laughs> some soft stuff and it's revealed that the end of that arrow tip was a tracker so now he can track the helicopter and he tracks him right to Rachel Ghoul himself and Rach is telling them like yo get it together first of all mm-hmm. secondly why are letting red arrow follow you and looks immediately and Red Arrow is looking through binoculars, but Race has 50-80 vision because he sees <laughs> Red Arrow, and now it's on again. Who do you talk to for a prescription like that? That's the better question. He's just x-ray vision at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love this particular scene, though, here, though, the fight between um, Red Arrow versus uh, Cheshire and Sportsmaster. Um there's so many again like you, you, we can always talk about the choreographed fight scenes in other movies shows like arrow and all that but in this animation right here it's just so smooth in everything that they were doing uh one of my favorite scenes was when uh i think cheshire used an attack long enough to distract red arrow and then as she realizes that like it's just it's just enough of the distraction. She moves out the way, and we see that Sportsmaster's already coming up for the next hit. And it's just like this masterwork of animation and hand-to-hand compact is just amazing. Um, it does lead to, unfortunately, Red Arrow having to uh, try to get to run away because, unfortunately, during that time, they also broke his bow. So he dives into the water that's nearby, and as he comes back out... Um, this is when he calls for help. We don't know who he calls, but he's just like, I'm in over my head and I need assistance. Yeah. And I also do want to mention quick about that fight scene, the mm-hmm. opening where red arrow shoots an arrow race. Mm-hmm. doesn't even bother blocking it. He, he's <laughs> like, if I die, I die. Uh, honestly, uh, which I love. He um, will come back. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's why he's like, if I die, I die. Literally. It's no problem. Um, back at school, Superboy meets the most jacked high schooler, um, Mal Duncan, <laughs> which I recognize was the name. I just don't remember who they become. <laughs> but um, we won't we won't say it yet, just because you know we gotta give y'all something to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they go into class, and it's they have this professor, Mister Carr, who's asking like questions about Malaysia. And like mm-hmm. the interpersonal struggles. And I'm like, sir, it is day one of class. <laughs> you give the syllabus and you keep it pushing. Like, what is the problem here? <laughs> um, and Superboy is able to immediately answer because he has that, you know, all that memory. And again, little teases here because Megan, you know, she they're talking about like, why would these two countries fight in their heads? And over their mental link, and Megan began uh, mentions that oh well you know at, at my home planet white and green Martians are segregated against I'm a green Martian so I'm okay, um but other people aren't. So yeah, setting up brilliant things for later, but right now we got to get back to this Malaysian peace summit because things are about to go south once more. Yeah, so now that we're back in um, Taipei for the 
the meetings between South and North Malaysia. Of course, Lex Luthor is there in the middle at the table. Um, and then we see that everybody's gathered around news crew, people who are watching in. We don't see our heroes, Red Arrow here or any of the other villains until somebody in the cart is just driving up. It seems like they're about to deliver some food. And this is where Aqualad turns around and just says, that's far enough, Cheshire. And we see that the person who's pushing the cart is her. So she presses a button on the cart and moves the cart closer to him as Aqualad is creating what looks like is putting, putting up a water wall in front of him. And we cut to a scene now where an explosion has happened. And for people who are probably watching this on Cartoon Network when it premiered, we are left now for like the minute and 30 seconds figuring did Aqualad die? Did did is the plan did the plan succeed? Is Relasia no longer existent? Thankfully, we have HBO Max hashtag not sponsored. We know immediately that they're okay. <laughs> yeah, and it is crazy. The plan, uh, uh, Red Arrow shot an explosive arrow at the cart at the same time that Aqualad managed to keep everybody safe by water bending a barrier. Um, so everyone's fine, and now they just have to deal with Aqualad versus Sportsmaster. Um, Artemis Red Arrow and respect on Sportmaster's name, he was giving Aqualad the mm. work this entire fight. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a great back and forth where the heroes are really pushed to their brink. Like Aqualad has to break out water breathing ninth form just to just to survive after triggering the sprinklers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so glad you started watching Demon Slayer. <laughs> yes. Hashtag Tanjiro. Um, and despite, again, great animation, definitely a fight to check out. But unfortunately, they can't block everything and a blow goes straight at Luthor. And before we can even find out what happens to Luthor, we have to know the most important detail of all. Does Megan succeed or fail at cheerleading tryouts? Find out right now because she does do a little small cheer. I was a little confused because the team name is the Bumblebees, but she said Hornet, so I'm unsure where that came from. Um, but ultimately, uh, Connor is up in the stands. He's watching as McGann is performing. And as she, as everybody, everything is done, the team just kind of looks at her and says, like, oh, that was great. Also, we're really sorry to do this as they pull up the full Gatorade water, like Gatorade, like drenching scenario as they drop the full container on her. Connor tries to jump in to intervene, but McGann psychically lets him know that everything is good. So we find out that apparently this is some kind of rich initiation ritual for her to be a Bumblebee cheerleader for the squad, um, to which uh, we do get the chance to see another DC future um, future story person here, Karen, who sees Connor on the ground and comments on him being like, he may be hot, but he's also kind of a freak. And the, the re- main reason why I wanted to point this out is because it does give me like failed 10 things I hate about you energy with um Heath Ledger <laughs> running through this dance. 
I love you, baby. <laughs> uh, so Connor, he ends up after this, we find out Megan McGann's on the team. So he gives her his jacket and offers to carry her book, her books. Um, it, it, and you can see how it's still kind of building up, but that's all over because we're finally back to the fight in Taipei where um, this blast is making its way over to Luthor. And this is where Luthor reveals his assistant Mercy is actually, I guess, a robot or an android. Basically, Homegirl's arm turns into a cannon and she stops an assassin from trying to get at the two leaders of Relasia, both of whom are just very impressed over the fact that Mercy is not. It's, it's more than meets the eye. Yeah, they immediately want one of their own, which we get. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. needs a Mercy in their life. Yes. Um, But this experience does make Red Arrow rethink his position. He now does respect the team and what they do. Uh, so this is a big turning point for him, who has been aggro since episode one. And as the final stinger, it's revealed that Lex Luthor was w- working with Raish all along to send in assassins to make things more s- exciting and sabotage the summit in their own way. We will address this later, but for right now, right now, don't scream because it's episode 11. Terror is coming at you. Yes, we hop on over to New Orleans. Um, you know, I think Andrew, you've already kind of commented how much you love this place. And also hashtag not sponsor. I think the place they crash into, which we've both actually been to, is the Mardi Gras Museum. Oh, yes, it is. And I am so glad. <laughs> yes. So we find out by resident reporter here again, once again, Kat Grant. Um, she's covering this live battle between Superman, Martian Manhunter, and the Terra twins, Tommy and Tuppence. I think that's how you said her name. Um, so the twins, they're twins who are basically on par strength-wise with Superman and Manhunter. They um they do have a bit of a misstep as they are thrown into a warehouse where they're stopped by Aqualad and Red Tornado when they put some like inhibitor collars collars on them that neutralizes their strength. Uh at that point, Miss Martian and Superboy premiere in front of them. We see that Superboy is dressed exactly like Tommy Terror. And Miss Martian heads on over to Tuppence, holds her hand, and completely, I guess you say, downloads everything about Tuppence Terror as it seems like the plan is, according to Batman, who also appears, that the two of them are going to pretend to be them so that they can get into jail because he declares that the that Superboy and Miss Martian are under arrest. Yeah, and this is really inventive plan, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's something that... Yeah, McGann should do a lot more of, honestly. Right? <laughs> this undercover work. And it's revealed that they this is a this goes back to episode one where all the freeze villains were attacking on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out they were all pulled strings to get to Bell Rev prison on the same day. Or at least around the same time. And I do love that uh <laughs> just a minor detail. Freeze didn't go to his usual cell at Arkham. It's like, yo, if you're (laughs) off there that much, you probably shouldn't be getting parole, bro. Um, 
So they arrive to the prison and we meet Amanda Waller and you know it's Amanda Waller immediately because she greets all her prisoners with a shock. Uh, shock collars and lets them know this prison can hold Superman. Trust us. We checked and this is the kind of prison we're dealing with right away. Again, ends up with Frost and we meet on the men's side the greatest and most interesting character added to the series thus far the Riddler. <laughs> yes, uh Riddler is here. He is he comes on over to the um to the main like the top prison gang that's here. And it's just basically every single person on this gang is like competing to be the most jack character in our episodes today. Um so we have uh uh mammoth who we he fought against um bane i believe but more importantly we also have blockbuster and icicle senior so superboy he gets teamed up as tommy turner with not tommy Tommy Uh, turner uh superboy as tommy terror gets teamed up with icicle jr in their cell and i know teamed up sounds like a weird word when there was just like you're <laughs> they're sharing a prison cell but icicle jr heads on over because they go talk with his dad and as they're talking you see that riddler is trying to join in with this gang of course they want nothing to do with him um and they quickly make some jokes including another gang that is led by brick who um who we saw, I believe, in the back in our fourth episode of the series. Uh, so Icicle Jr. apparently he comes over to talk with his dad. Uh, this leads into something that could have been a big issue for Superboy here, as we see once again that from our infiltrators episode, one of the League League of Shadows members, the dude that has like an eye for a face. I'm just gonna call him like Mr. Oho. Um, right now, because I think he had that laser eye. Yeah, the bootlegs, this bootleg cyclops. Oh yeah, bootleg cyclops. That's what we called them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, we learn that he actually is picking up on the fact of knowing that Tommy Terror here is actually Superboy. Fortunately, McGann she sees all this going down, so she sends off a telepathic message to bootleg side um cyclops let him to let him say that's tommy terror don't mess with him and now icicle jr talking with his dad as we see the entire ice brigade has kind of assembled here and it seems like there is a plan for a jailbreak um but and that um superboy and mcgann are here to try to figure out what that jailbreak is yeah and Throughout this, too, with Icicle Jr. and Superboy, the pair-up, Icicle Jr. feels like he's in his dad's shadow, Mm -hmm. that his dad doesn't pay attention to him. Sucks when your dad is the big man, he says. So this is a good time to, you know, bring up Connor's issues of how he feels towards Superman. And funny enough, they get to dive deeper because Hugo Strange pulls uh, the Terror Twins in for some psychoanalyses. And Megan tries to get Superboy to confront these issues directly, but he slaps back with, oh, you know, not every problem is solved in 30 minutes or less, like one of your sitcoms. So I was like, all right, WandaVision, 
calm down. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, we're getting really deep dives into both characters here. And after we get that scene, once again, Riddler getting less respect than Luke <laughs> Wilson on Stargirl. Um, because he, he can't sit with anyone. Um, and this is where, again, we get another get another quick Icicle Jr. quote where he goes, you know, someone who sees the psycho that you are and likes you anyway is someone, because the whole time he's trying to get with um, t- Tuppence. And this, you know, encourages Superboy to really think about how he's been treating Megan, if he should treat her differently. And as he's mulling that over, Mr. Freeze gets into a fight, which sends him right to Amanda Waller. Mm-hmm. And here, it, this this fight, um, it leads into during that introduction where, um, you know, other things are happening here. We don't... It, at least it's a little bit of an outburst, but at the same time, it seems like we are having a crazy situation over in the rest of the of the jail. So at this point, Icicle Senior comes up to his son and it's just like, hey, I need you to figure out what's going on with the rest of the plan because things are are seems to be falling apart. But then um this is where Superboy as Tim as Tommy Cher said, like, hey, I have this psychic link with my sister, which Icicle Senior is just like, I know all your powers. That's not one of them. And when she says, well, you can't pro- you can't broadcast everything to everybody. So he's just like, I can connect with my sister who is stationed. I Sorry, who's sharing a cell with Killer Frost so that we can find out everything that's going on. And this is when Icicle Senior shares that the plan that the plan is ready to start. So as Mr. Freeze enters um, Waller's office, we see that the rest of the people in jail are getting are opening up a shipment of new orange um, suits, jumpsuits that they got. And as Mr. Freeze comes into the um, to the to the room, this is where he reveals that he could finally break out of all the um, the the handcuffs that he has on him, which he does. He then um takes his opens up his mask so that he can take off and break the collar and this is where he holds everybody in Waller's office captive. Yeah, and this is where it's and it's great cuz Amanda Waller just tried to shoot him but she mm-hmm. gets the bullet stuck in the ice. Oh, that was a beautiful scene honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty great. And um yeah, it's revealed that all the prisoners were given microfiber thermal jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. that um kept them warm which is what we need in new york honestly yeah uh, i feel like winter. that's like better than uniqlo heat tech honestly yeah if we get that and some tims you you you'll <laughs> never feel cold again um so this is where the plan is really kicking the gear everyone's gonna break out um but the problem is superboy has lost his connection to mcgann which makes him understandably distraught so he tries to break through into the other side of the wall and begins to get the sense that um, things could go south. So he tricks Icicle Jr. into doing 
the dumbest thing possible, which <laughs> is basically he says, I got a telepathic message that the college is turning on the other side. We need to go to the master control room now. And upon getting there, Superboy reactivates all the collars, knocks out bootleg Cyclops. And now, now that he, most of the threats are gone, he only has to face one more threat, which is Mr. Freeze. Yeah, so here, it Mr. Freeze is picking up on kind of what's happening. He He's questioning Icicle Jr. for why did he go and turn back on the collars because everybody's now experiencing the um, shocks that the inhibitor collars could, are putting them through. So it was revealed early in the episode that there are two settings to it. One that just kind of gives you a little nice shock, um, you know, something a little stronger than, you know, like like just, I guess, like getting something like a very intense massage chair and then another one will knock you out completely so this knock you out completely shot is going through hitting everybody fortunately mr freeze had broken off his collar so he runs on over to confront icicle jr and this is where he's questioning like why are you doing this you icicle jr shares that like no like i made sure to shut off all the collars if it wasn't for me everybody would be incapacitated right now. So both of them are now thinking, thankfully to um, some smart work by Superboy, who shares that like, obviously Mr. Freeze is trying to take over power because you saw the fight, the quote unquote fight that happened earlier between him and your dad. So the two of them, um, Icicle Jr. and Mr. Freeze, see each other as traitors to this jailbreak. And now as they're fighting, um, it's clear that Mr. Freeze is too much of a match for Icicle Jr. as Superboy is taking on the two uh, two, two competitors for the most Jack characters in our show today, which are Mammoth and Blockbuster. And this is where they decide to switch up some dance partners. Fortunately, uh, is a quick, quick work for the two of them as Icicle Jr. and Superboy win. But as they turn around, they see that McGann has been or rather, McGann as Tuppence has been fully encapsulated in the nice. Yeah, and this is a pretty harrowing moment because, of course, Superboy wants to break the ice, but Icicle Jr. points out, if you do this, at that temperature, you will just shatter her. So best not to do so. And fortunately, Megan reveals that it's colder than, than that on Mars. So she's able to break out on her own. And immediately, Superboy and McGann kiss, which at first looks like some House of Dragon stuff because <laughs> it looks like two siblings are making out. But um, obviously, it's those two finally starting their romance. And in the cleanup of this, one of the most hilarious conclusions to an episode, it's revealed that Hugo Strange... Because earlier he tackled Icicle Sr. for Amanda Waller's sake. Mm-hmm. So it's revealed that this was part of a plan for him to take over the prison. And plus, Riddler managed to escape in the confusion. Riddler was the only escapee from Belrev that day, which is a wild and hilarious conclusion. Oh, yes. I need to know how he did it because, um, unfortunately, I just realized we did not share that the plan was for the ice brigade to continuously freeze the walls of the jail so that the world's strongest 
villains here could punch through the walls a bit easier than they were if they were just concrete and they realized it was going to take them 10 minutes. Clearly, unfortunately for them, they had Superboy and Miss Martian to deal with, even though they didn't know. And Riddler in the in all of that somehow escaped. So I need to know what his plan was because it's amazing that he broke out. Um, and as we continue to look for Riddler, who I'm assuming is probably in like either Goth in Fawcett City or probably even Gotham City, where our next episode begins, we're heading on over to Homefront, where we see that Artemis is in her room. Um, it's she's waking up. She sees across from her, uh, kind of like our 1996 fat um, moment of Al's Adventures in Wonderland poster. And there's a bit of a flashback that she has of her older sister. I think I'm not sure if it's actually said in this episode yet, but it seems yeah. like she's planning to leave the house because their mom is in jail. Doesn't seem like she's getting out anytime soon. And she refuses to stay at home with their father. Yes. So this is a great opening because we still don't know a ton about Artemis's backstory. So it was a great opening to intro. And now we cut to present time where it's time for Artemis to start school. And when she gets there, this is one of my, I get, I love this running thing early on where Robin out of costume shows up and takes a picture of her. And Artemis is like, who are you? Why did you do that? And he's <laughs> like, you're going to, this is going to be so funny later. And he runs over to Barbara Gordon really quick and goes, he's like, what was that about? It's like, Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So yeah, it's, they're getting so much mileage over Robin legit keeping his super ident- secret identity yeah and um meanwhile while they're enjoying school uh school's out for superboy and megan because they're making out a lot fortunately yeah. for them <laughs> got the wrong pronouns um fortunately for them sphere does interrupt them because at that moment uh kid flash does enter the room questions why is it that they keep working on superboy's back bike and they do offer to to he does offer to help and as they're doing so this is where we get a chance to see something that got shared earlier on in the in um in in our 10th episode with uh targets is that aqualad during his fight with uh, Sportsmaster, Sportsmaster does kind of share that, like, hey, I know about your missions in Bialia and the um and the other one because you have someone on your team who is sharing and feeding this information to me. So Aqualad doesn't want to share this with the rest of the team because he's fearful of the fact that, like, if he shares it, he might alert the mole on their team. So now he's having this conversation about with Red Tornado about who it could be. And he's uncertain, of course, um, but he doesn't, again, he also shares with Red Tornado that he doesn't want to say what he thinks because um, he's afraid of alerting somebody. And at this moment, Red Tornado is like, okay, totally makes sense. Um, while you work on that, um, maybe if I cross paths with Batman, I'll share with him because right now I'm heading on up to the watchtower for monitor duty, which does question does give Aqualad the questions like, hey, why are you heading up there? 
um, which <laughs> Red Tornado shares. The reason why is because I took up an extra shift because Green Arrow has a hot date with Black Canary. Um, as we now we see... It. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> so now Robin and Artemis, um, we jump back over to them to see what's happening with them. And uh, they are now in costumes, pretending uh, Artemis still completely unaware that they went to school, the same school that day. And they both get in the Zeta tube, this abandoned phone booth, which should be a dead giveaway because who uses a phone booth anymore? Right. And as soon as they go to the tube, they are immediately in danger. There's fire ev- everywhere. The comms don't work. They see a villain in the fire. So automatically they are running for their lives. And I love this setup because you have the two core members of the team that don't have any superpowers Mm -hmm. against these elemental issues. And they don't have, all they have is their wits and their tech. So, um, bat. So Robin uses rule number one in the Batman manual. If it can blow up, blow it up, uh, to get away from this mysterious villain and now Artemis and Robin make their way into the vents. Now they are aware there's a water villain and a fire villain. Um, luckily, the other two Earth nations don't show up that day. No Earth Kingdom or Air Nomads today. But they are able to eavesdrop on a previous camp, uh, earlier conversation to try to get what the hell happened. And they found that they're compatriots were just caught off guard by two red tornado siblings each with their different elemental signatures and in one of the best jokes we get um they're they're trying to monitor the cameras and all the cameras go out so robin goes all four are dead the cameras the cameras i mean the cameras Yeah, so now they have to figure out. Um, they do see that the team is alive. They're all being held captive by the um, by what is called, I believe, Red Torpedo. And I don't think we ever got the name of the other one, who's the fire one. Um, so Robin is able to download the blueprints of the cave. So that gives them an advantage of figuring out where to go. Unfortunately, though, these reds are just constantly tracking them. As um, this is because of the motion and the heat sensors throughout the cave. And this is where we kind of catch up to what's happening with the rest of the team. So Miss Martian and Aqualad are in a fire cell. Uh, This is a legit just cage made of fire. While Superboy and Kid Flash have been trapped in some kind of like, not quite carbonite, but it looks like some kind of like very dense metal while in water to the point where they could drown. Um, And this is where after many scenes of Robin and Artemis trying to avoid and run away from the two Reds, they do catch up with the team and they try to break them out. Unfortunately, though, it doesn't work out. A lot of which during this like transition, Artemis is just complaining about the fact of how can we stop these two in the these two robo these like these reds if you know we don't have any powers and all of our superpower teammates are captured and the answer to that question is run for your life oh yes <laughs> because 
things are pretty bad. Um, but I do like Robin mentioning, you know, I've been doing this since I was nine. You like <laughs> I got experience. So we get a lot of Robin and Artemis kind of bonding and learning to trust each other because they don't really really haven't had any one on one time. Mm-hmm. And they have a good natural chemistry with each other too. So Robin figures, hey, we're dealing with robots. Why not just make an EMB? Because, you know, that's easy to do. And um, apparently in the med lab, they have the equipment, enough equipment to make an EMP. Um, So they're getting the materials together. Artemis serves as a distraction. Robin goes to build the EMP, but he's missing a metal conductor. And unfortunately, before he can put it together, he's captured by the waterbender. And Robin's capture leads Artemis to flee and completely break down. Um, she is ready to toss in the towel. She, from her backstory and her experience, even though we don't have the whole picture, she's been taught, if people get captured, go. Save yourself. So she, this is a really good moment for her because uh, even though I'm, we were invested in her anyway, this is a good moment of vulnerability for her. Um, and right when she's about to get out of there, she stops and sees the Cheshire mask and another souvenir that was left behind. Yes. So a wonderful, wonderful callback to when she first was able to be a part of the team. She does shoot that arrow back in our episode where we learned how much that um, Superboy hates monkeys when they faced off against Professor Ivo. Um, As they, she takes it and realizes more and more hearing that they will kill her friends. She decides to walk on over. Um, Literally, she's used up all her arrows. And now this is the only thing that we see in her quiver. So as she's about to surrender, she pulls off the most epic flip to the point where she uses um, one of the androids to jump on over and then takes that rem- that last arrow that she has and con- is able to connect the um, the device that Robin had put in earlier to chart to create an EMP blast, knocking out every piece of technology that is around them. Fortunately, this also negates the powers. Um, this negates the fire cage that was up. This negates the um, uh, the water that was just building up that was about to drown Superboy. And Kid Flash, fun fact, during this episode, Superboy shares that Kryptonians can't drown because they don't need air. And I was like, I need to know more about this. Um, so as they are trying to break out Superboy and Kid Flash using this like super high-powered laser gun, um, she this is when Red Tornado enters the building and he goes on over to where his fallen siblings are, to which he states, I did not know I had relations. <laughs> and as soon as he goes to touch them, they kind of realize, hey, if comms and stuff are back on, that means the EMP is no longer working. The elemental robot sparked back to life. And by connecting with Red Tornado, whatever was going on with them immediately infects him. And he sucks the air out of the room, knocking all of the young justice crew out. And even Superman, who led Superboy, who allegedly can't drown. He can pass out from lack of air. 
and it leaves they wake up and see all the heroes taking care of them revealing that red tornado is gone they don't know where he's gone to so the episode ends on this very bittersweet note of yes they survived the mission barely um and but at the cost of losing red tornado and not knowing what exactly is going on this also pushes aqualad further into thinking there's definitely a mole afoot what can we do but that is more covered in an episode that sounds like a sexist podcast alpha male <laughs> yeah so we kind of do a little time jumping here as we travel a little back in time and also to a different plane as we head on over to northern india where gotham's mayor hamilton hill is leading a tiger hunting expedition now please peter do not come after us we we, we did not partake in any of this this is all hamilton hill a fictional character he he spots a tiger and he's planning on shooting it but it's right before he he's about to these like electric columns come out of the ground and completely knocks out the tiger and while everyone is shocked hamilton hill as well as these two guys that he's with they're shocked to see this tiger has fallen we see probably now our most chat character, um, mainly because it is a gorilla who comes out of the shadows with a machine gun and opens fire. Look, I saw all the Planet of the Apes movies, so I know right away this is not a good look for anybody. Oh, no. Um, But as he gets the poachers, they're just desserts. We go back to the tower, not the tower. <laughs> we go back to the base where Aqualad is trying to talk quietly about this traitor, but Superboy, boy's got super hearing. So yeah. he immediately overhears about the traitor and brings up to Aqualad, why the hell didn't you tell us there was there might have been a traitor amongst us? And this immediately sows discord across the team. Robin, Kid Flash are all pissed. Artemis is pissed. McGann um, is, you know, supporting Superboy here. So in in this in the midst of this frenzy and chaos, Batman with one word, because <laughs> they make a point of it, tells everybody quiet that there's a mission. They have to go after this ape because he also saw Planet of the Apes, all of them. <laughs> and he knows what happens if you let them organize. So he sends the the heroes after the ape, which leads to a great line of someone going, is this a joke? And Batman goes, I never joke about the mission. <laughs> and Robin immediately clams up like that is, that is serious. Yep. Facts. Um, that's, that's your, your mother called you by your three names. Serious. <laughs> and now they have to go on this mission, this ape escape like mission while their team is falling apart at the seams. And because of the fact that they just experienced this, but more importantly, Red Tornado is on his location is unknown. Uh, Batman shares that Red Tornado situation is a Justice League issue, so they will look into it. However, they will have a rotating uh, quote unquote den mother. And the first person up for rotation is Captain Marvel, who 
we know now more so as Shazam. So he joins the team on this mission as they head on over to the uh, same location. It's now about two weeks since uh, Hamilton Hill was attacked by this guerrilla warfare. Um, as now the team, he's he's seeing firsthand how much the team has fallen apart. So as everybody exits out, this is where Aqualad is getting ready to share with them what the plan is. However, Kid Flash starts off the conversations of just like, I am not going to listen to you. So he and Robin head on off to um to go and do their own investigation, being the fact that they were kind of like two of the OG members alongside Aqualad. So they're hurt over the fact that like their trusted friend didn't even bother sharing this with them. Superboy is always going to be very angry all the time, but this time his anger is put towards like McGann almost died. Um, so as we see, it's kind of building up that these two are in a relationship. So he tries to grab from McGann to tell her that like you're coming with me because I'm going to be the one to keep you safe. To which she's like, I don't need no man, especially one that I can take out with one mental thought. Um, and Artemis tries to back her up on this too. So as everybody goes their separate way, this is where I did love the scene where Captain Marvel looks at Aqualad and just like, so did you actually share a plan with everybody? Because I'm confused. Like, can we just turn that back around for me? Because I didn't hear anything at all. Yeah, and it's it's a great dynamic because we all know Shazam's a, a kid younger than mm-hmm. most of them, if not all of them. So him being team leader is hilarious. <laughs> um. They really should have stuck together because now they're fighting all these crazy jungle animals. You know, they have to deal with evil elephants. Connor has to fight wolves. Robin and Flash fight vultures. And all of these creatures are much bigger than they should be. So they instantly recognize this must be Cobra Venom. um, The combination blend of the two. And we get some really harrowing scenes in here. Like at one point, Artemis gets caught by a croc and spun underwater, which is how they actually will kill you. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was actually a little scared about this. But luckily they figure out that if you attack the collars, you win, (laughs) in Shazam's (laughs) words. So they they all try to go off the collars, which also reminded me of the the dark rings from Digimon. Um, Oh, my God. Turn the Digimon evil. Yes. and but in this confusion, they're all riding a high, and then all of a sudden, Shazam is captured by Gorilla Gorilla, the Frenchest gorilla you'll ever meet. <laughs> uh, yes, he unfortunately was trying to find uh, the kitty <laughs> that it was actually more of a tiger, the same tiger that we saw earlier. Um, he tries to go find that he gets captured. And this is where, but prior to that, I think there was like a really good moment here in which um, Shazam is sharing that like, hey, you, you have to understand that like, you kind of failed just now as a team leader, Aqualad. And he's just like, no one wants to listen to me. And then what she says, like, you need to make them listen to you. Like, think about what happened earlier where everybody was going off and Batman just said one word and we all got in line. And this is where he even shares that, like, hey, I, you know, when I first joined the Justice League, I didn't really care much for listening to orders and whatnot. But I realized that at the end of the day, Batman 
even though as gruff as he is, he's going to try to make sure that we all get home safe. So when I, I made sure to listen to him and you need to make sure that you do the same for your team. You don't need to sit back and try to let everybody be in their emotions about things, especially if it means that they're going to be putting themselves at risk. They need a leader and that leader is you. Um, so we leave off with that very nice note because uh, Captain Marvel gets Shazam gets captured. And this is where Aqualad realizing that this, this whole mission is going off the rails because they lost their den mother here. So as everybody is like relaying their information to Aqualad about like, Hey, we were attacked by this thing and Aqualad already knowing how to process it. They're all getting ready to yell at him again for being, for failing as a leader to which he just says enough. If you, we're going to finish this mission, no matter what, you're going to listen to what I need to say, because if you don't, we not may not make it out of this place alive. If you want to end up, um, if you want a new leader at the end of this, I will happily step down. But for right now, you're going to listen to me. And that's the only way that we're going to get out of this. And I love that moment because I don't think we ever got a moment where um, Calder kind of got questioned as a leader quite just yet. You know, we it was unanimously decided that like Calder was going to be the leader back in that episode, even though Robin was just like, no, it should be me. But no, nothing has ever come into question. It's just like, is does Calder earn the right to be a leader? And this kind of solidified that like, yo, this is this is it. This is the reason why Calder's leader. Yeah, I mean, that's the facts. They have to get out of here. They have to save Shazam. So um, the team lines up. And we figure out, we get the stakes where uh, the brain and Gorilla Gorilla plan to dissect uh, Shazam and get his brain to figure out what makes the wisdom of Solomon tick. And uh, I like that he's a trained surgeon, the gorilla. (laughs) Um, And on the outside, Aqualad creates the tiniest little open for Artemis. And Artemis is able to shoot an arrow with precision enough to break down a barrier, um, which also inspires Kid Flash to run forward, making a Planet of the Apes reference. Um, <laughs> give your damn paw, paws off her, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> and so now it's an all-out battle. There's tigers, of uh, flashes, and brains. And... and we also get confirmation again. Superboy hates monkeys and robots. Mm-hmm. Do not put you put a monkey robot. I swear to God, Superboy is going to mess you up. <laughs> um, and luckily, the heroes back the brain into a corner. And then he activates his ultimate device, a device so terrifying, so scary that when it's done operating, one one thing has happened. Yes, it illuminates the room. The LED strip, man. It's scary. Word. There's nothing that will ever defeat that. <laughs> so we do see now that everybody is coming back together. Um, we see that Superboy, he, he was busy the entire time fighting a wolf. Um, the most jacked wolf that we'll probably ever see. So, of course, Superboy being the stray himself, he decides after defeating this wolf in hand-to-paw combat, he decides to take it home, uh, much like Spear. And then um, 
this is where uh, Kat, uh, Shazam, he also says, gives his goodbyes to the tiger that he was first tried to reach out to, who decides to stay on the island. Um, this tiger who he decides, like, I'm going to call him Mr. Tawny. Uh, fun little joke for any Shazam fans out there. And now this is where the team has to address what happened here. Um, this is where they're all asking Aqualad to like, what does he know about the mole? Um, where does he hear this information from? And he says, I heard it directly from the source of Sportsmaster. To which everybody jumps into the site. Oh, that can't be true. He's always lying. And I kind of wish I was Calder here because I was like, wasn't that exactly what I said before? Um, you know, this is why I put more faith in my team versus a villain who just caught my one-two piece real quick. And now that everybody knows that the thing was from that the source is uh is Sportsmaster. Kid Flash is chill about it now. He decides to take the um the most French gorillas, uh Monsieur Mala, I believe his name is, decides to take his beret as a souvenir, even though at the fear of gorilla lice, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um and they just decide to patch up their friendship because they realize that they're cool. Everything that they thought was an issue thinking that like he didn't that Calder didn't trust the team is clearly not the case but it is that he is working hard to figure out what is going on for them for the best for their best like situation as well yeah and as we get a happy note for the team for once yeah <laughs> um we get a nice little post credit where we get to see what Billy's life is at home cuz he flies home and he is greeted by his uncle. And just as he was going to bed in full Shazam, uh, his uncle, Shazam goes, I just wanted to see if you noticed. And does the Shazam thing, turns into a kid. And the two people in the audience that didn't already know he was a kid got to be shocked. And <laughs> with that lightning bolt, it brings us to the end of our four episode arc. So, yes, now that we are done with our four episodes here, we're going to take a brief pause here to calm down the people who did not know that Billy Batson was Shazam and that Shazam was actually a kid. So while we do that, here are here's an ad for a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th. All right. So from our four episodes here for Insider Trading, subtitle peas in the pod <laughs> what did you feel was the most whelmed episode of the bunch this was a really exceptional bunch of episodes originally going into this i thought it was going to be targets 
Mm-hmm. But then I realized Rachel Gould's plan to fake assassinate Luthor didn't make sense because there were several moments where he would have real assassinated Luthor. Oh, yeah. Um, so that twist doesn't quite land. Um, and Terrors is solid, um, but it does lean heavily on Icicle Jr., <laughs> which is uh, not the most sympathetic character. So it came down to Alpha Male, surprisingly, in Homefront for me. And I Homefront uh, just mm. won it. It edged it out because I do love superhero stories with regular people in them, where regular people have to cope with either destruction or these metahuman beings. And this was great. Putting Robin and Artemis together, letting their characters develop, and getting us putting them in real danger as the burdens to save everybody else is on them. Brilliant. It's a lot of brilliant master strokes. It all works. And it really pushes these characters forward and the plot forward with this dangling mystery of what happens to Mr. Tornado. So, uh, yeah, I, I think all over Red Tornado, why Mr. Tornado. That's <laughs> him you think I missed it? You missed it? <laughs> he was like, Mr. Tornado is my father's name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Homefront stands out for me out of that bunch. How about you? Yeah, I agree because I'm also a very big fan of the um, the superhero storytelling with, with a person who does not have superpowers. I think also by taking um, just basically the entire superpowered side of the team and putting them in a situation where their powers are not going to work. Like we have been building up. This is the third time I think we've seen that like, yo. Heat and fire do not work well for Miss Martian and Aqualad. So putting them in the fire cell was pretty great work. And um, also the fact of taking out Kid Flash and, and Superboy by trapping them into like, I, I'm still calling it Carbonite. Um, trapping them in that thing is pretty smart. I think the other reason why I pulled it off um, to the top for me is because of the fact of Artemis. Like, we don't know much about her. Um you know, we kind of have got a bit of a sense of who she is as a person and as an individual. She seems to definitely have some kind of connection to beings and people who probably aren't looking out for the well-beings of others. And she's deciding to not do that. So the fact that she was raised in that mindset, you know, we're and she's competing against that already in a lot of the episodes. Like, I think having her team up with Robin with a person who um you know since the age of nine I guess this is now like four years of him being Robin um the fact that like she's having a conversation to him and seeing how like he is willing to make the big play to sacrifice himself for other people and she's just competing against that emotion of just like can I actually jump in and save someone else even if it means that i'm not going to make out make it out of it and even going back she's like you know i can escape i can you know let somebody else know maybe the justice league will arrive and her then realizing that like the more and more she thinks about it there's a possibility that i may not make it out of it but and then ultimately deciding she's going to save the team in the way that she did or as robin would say way to get trot um I I loved it. I think that's what pulled it over for me. Um, The only reason why Alpha Male didn't win out for me is because 
a lot of this stems from what was happening in the earlier episodes and you know for it to be that like yes we have not figured out who the the mole is but the team feels confident in their in their like kind of dynamics now was great and you know seeing cal be calder being um questioned at this point of his like leadership skills was a nice look but it wasn't the it wasn't like he failed necessarily he pulled a batman move if anything so that's why for me it was just like it wasn't really like a like things could literally fall apart like someone could actually die there's no superboy kind of jumped into the fact saying that like you by not sharing the information about the mole, Megan McGann could have died. It's not the case. Calder would probably no. think KL first off. <laughs> also, McGann, look, I'm sorry to say this, but McGann, I need you to do just have a little bit more oomph in your life. You can't just be passing out every single time you around fire, girl. There's gonna yeah. be explosions. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to deal with much. Your 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 uncle was on fire for three hours in a movie once, like in the water. You you can handle this. Yeah, I do agree. It's it's yeah, it's just a humanity that made like similarly, um, you know, targets was felt very human for a while with Red Arrow. Mm -hmm. But again, the logic of it breaks down when you really think about the logic of that episode. Yeah. Yeah. It become it's the highest stakes episode. It's the most character development all around. So, yeah, I think it's definitely the, the strongest pick in this set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and personally, I mean, I Targus was great, but I still feel that um, Red Arrow, you know, as an SAT statement, uh, Red Arrow is to me as Elmo is to Rocco. I do not like this dude <laughs> because of his commentary about the Junior Justice League. Like, you need to stop when you have failed several times at this point. Um, that's a strong hatred. You start bringing a <laughs> Rocco to this. Like, damn, I mean, I'm just scared. For- just like my dude didn't even know that 167 centimeters was um was th- uh five six. Granted, I didn't know that off the top of my head <laughs> either. But my dude, stop coming after them like saying to call them the Junior Justice League when clearly they're doing they have more W's than you. Um, well, speaking about W's, um, I think this might be a big win for us, maybe because we're gonna jump into that comic book knowledge now, where. We are covering, since we covered episodes 10 through 13, we're going to be covering issues 15 through 20, also known as the last set of comics that were released within this season. Wait, so they just gave up on the concept after this? (laughs) So after issue 20, um, this is, I think it's issue 20, um, this is where it jumps into Young Justice season two. Ah, there isn't much that I can share about this. There wasn't many kind of like great stories. A lot of these issues do focus in on what was happening um, as the team kind of like go on their team up with their mentors after becoming a part of this team. So we see kind of like Flash and Kid Flash have a little battle um, facing off against some members of the Rogues Gallery, Batman and Robin having a mission amongst themselves. And um, Green Arrow and Artemis, which I think was a very fun read because, again, as we know, these two aren't really uh, 
uh like they didn't have that mentor mentee relationship they were just like kind of put together so these are kind of like the early stages of that and we see that like there's a little bit of respect that green arrow is giving to artemis because where he fails she succeeds and he's just like you know kind of like the he gives off a Denzel, Jason Momoa, my man, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> kind of approach to it. Um, the biggest thing that does happen happens in the last two issues. And it's actually very connected to our alpha male story. So I think this is why they probably didn't provide that much context into the villains for the story, because there's prop one, they had to deal with the whole issue about the mole and Thankfully, there's like a lot more storytelling within the comics about um, the brain as we met this new villain in the Young Justice universe. Uh, so after the situation with um, fighting off against all these most jacked animals, they realize that more is going on, uh, specifically guerrilla warfare, because apparently... All they are sentient, smart gorillas. We know about Gorilla Grodd, um, uh, the other one that was in the Flash one that Gorilla God, Grodd faced off against, uh, Skolar, Skovar, I can't, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm blanking on it now, but it'll, oh well. Um, yeah, so basically, we learned that these gorillas are trying to defend their home against the brain. And Monsieur Mala, the other gorilla, the very French gorilla that we saw. Um, because apparently, and here we get the origin story of these two. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> so it is shared that after the team goes to investigate again, McGann gets stopped um, by the gorillas because the rest of the team gets captured by the brain and another individual who we call the ultra humanite. Um McGann talks with the gorillas. She talks with Grodd. She talks with um and, and like the others, and it's revealed to her that um these two individuals came in. It was they're described as a very thin woman and a very thin man. <laughs> okay, that that's not not vague at all, right? <laughs> so they revealed that they were experimenting on them and they were connected to Cobra, um. And what happened was that Gorilla, one of them, decided to do that same brain transfer thing that they were trying to do with Captain Marvel, and they succeeded. The first one that succeeded took their brain and put it into another Gorilla, turning themselves into the Ultra Humanites. Okay, I sure, do it. Mm. And then because it was a quote-unquote success, the other person takes their brain and puts it into the brain. So both the brain and ultra humanite are apparently in this universe just two humans who did brain, who followed the plot line of Velma, hashtag spoilers, of putting their brains into other beings and creatures. Was what was the what was the incentive here? What 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 did that get them? <laughs> well, once again, they were very thin individuals that figured that putting the, their smarts into a gorilla's body would combine brain and brawn and then putting their smarts into a mechanical body, um, I guess, brains and kind of brawn, but into the point where they're kind of just moving around on one wheel like a unicycle. <laughs> All right. Uh, sure. Uh, 
not not what I would have gone with, but uh, who am I? I'm not a gorilla or have the brain of them, so maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> uh, well, fortunately, you don't have to worry too much about that because um, there are more animals that are involved in these next set of issues as well, because in another two issues of this from issues 15 to 20, we also see that the Cobra gang is back this time, Jeffrey Burr has kidnapped his um twin for or yeah his fraternal twin brother and is going to use his blood to transform into the big snake naga who we probably know much about from our batman soul of the dragon episode oh god not <laughs> her again <laughs> um Honestly, these issues didn't really have much that they were going to add to the story, which I think is why they decided to end it here, because um, we are as we wrapped up on issue on episode 13, I believe with a 26 episode run, everything after this is just going to be talking about leading into who the mole is, what's the light. Um, we do see we're going to find out hopefully what happened to Red Tornado with his siblings. We do actually do find out a little bit about their siblings. And we do have a bit of an origin here because um, after we do meet Mr. Twister, uh, we do see that Tio Morrow does look for the other siblings that there are a couple the issues um, do focus in on how Tio Morrow is looking for the other siblings of Red Tornado, which he does find. And this is how we do come across Red Inferno and Red Torpedo, because they both had on human like disguises and were pretending to be heroes, uh, which he's now reprogrammed, it seems. So this is actually going to be part of another episode in the future. So I'm not going to dive too much into that, but just know that um Tio Maro is not opposed to grave um to grave digging. Um he he does that. <laughs> just <laughs> just for fun. Just for, yeah, this is on this on a casual Thursday. You know, most <laughs> people go for a happy hour. He he goes grave digging. <laughs> and we're not here to mess up with anyone's fun, you know. <laughs> well, um again, that is actually the end of the uh Young Justice comic book series for season one um it all follows along with robin's case notes again this is going to be i feel like their next set of episodes are going to be high speed thinking into like what's happening with the mold the lights the building out of the rest of the team so obviously they just decided to jump on over to um season two of young justice so i'm not going to share anything that happened in that part until we get to season two of young justice i guess we could just spend some time talking about like, what's the whelmed episode what's the aster what is <laughs> the episode that we felt the most trot <laughs> all right well that wraps up our four episodes here we are reached the halfway point of the young justice season one so as we get gear up for what's to come uh take care of yourselves and remember that if you see a tiger in the forest don't chase after it. Not because that tiger could kill you, but because you could be taken out by a gorilla. And if you end up in prison for some reason, befriend the Riddler, because you might break out of jail a lot earlier than you thought. <laughs> riddle me this, riddle me that. How does one break out of this cell? <laughs> <laughs>